everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux. Not just Linux, but life in the context of Linux. Episode 132, Cess Folly. Recorded February 23rd, 2014. And brought to you by Element OP Productions. Uh, ElementOP.com. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you remember, I guess it was Lycos or something. I always, I just always want to throw that out there when Mark says it. Yep. So I figured I would say it today. Yeah. I'm the same way. I always think we should do the dot com afterwards. Yeah. You know, cause Yahoo used to, those commercials, Yahoo. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. Please don't turn off. That's the last singing I'm going to do tonight, at least for the next few minutes. Uh, um, I might still bust out a song, but that's for later. Right. Well, as many of you might be able to deduce by the intro, the Sultan of the Soapbox is not here this week. He is dealing with the death of a family member, and our prayers go out to them. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back next week. Yep. Let's uh, all have a moment of silence for Mark's family. All right. Uh, thank you for that, everybody. I'm sure Mark would appreciate it, too. Yes, well, and I want to start off the show by apologizing. Uh, we teased last week that we were going to have a guest this week. And when I was, when I was talking to them, working out a day, I even confirmed it has next week, but in my <laughs> mind, it was today. And so this whole week, I've been planning on having this guest. And then I email them today and they're like, Oh, I was thinking it was next week. And I was like, look through my notes and I go, Oh, you're right. It is next week. Sorry. See you then. And then I'm thinking, Oh crap. I don't have a topic. And, so, and, and I was in the same boat because we're, you know, we, I was under the impression that we had a guest this week, so I was been pondering, thinking, and and figuring out questions to bring up. And Seth sends over an email going, um, "Yeah, we have a oopsie, and we need to fix this." <laughs> yeah, that's why I called it Seth's folly because this is totally my fault. Uh, sorry, everyone, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Well. We will ponder on to ponder on. We have a handful or maybe a handbag full or a, I don't know, a fanny pack full of listener feedback and some great news articles. So we'll, we'll get to those in a little bit, but, uh, let's continue on. <laughs> right. Well, I be, I just wanted to mention the greatest thing ever, uh, happened. Sharknado 2 is coming out. Um, they're doing casting and, or they're doing, uh, shooting for it in New York. It's called, uh, Sharknado 2, the second one. And, um, there was an article about it on Yahoo News. So it's not just, um, <laughs> you know, it's not just talked about, but it is well on its way to reality. They probably finished filming in like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, I just, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Sharknado recently and I, I couldn't let that stand. So I wanted to talk about Sharknado too. As soon as I see a trailer for it, that will probably be my link for that week. So Sharknado two is coming guys. Don't worry. We'll keep you posted. That's almost horrible. <laughs> Can't believe they're bringing it out again. Is this going to be like the, the never ending distro? The Sharknados will never end, and there'll be zombie Sharknados now? Well, I don't know, but you know... Oh, wait. That could be Sharknado 3. <laughs> the Zombie-Nados. 
you know, the shark zombie nados, and then the, now we have sharks that are zombies in a tornado. Well, they that, already made ghost sharks that could that would be the end. Come out of any type of water, including a rain puddle, and kill you. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not making that up, people. I wish I was, but they actually made a movie about it. Um, so yes. Uh, uh. You know, sci-fi is good for cheesy movies. There's been like one or two that uh, the sci-fi made for TV movies that were actually decent movies, but for the most part, they're a cheese fest or just plain <laughs> awful, one of the two. But uh, no, Sharknado 2, just like it ruled Twitter for like a couple of days when it came. It was oh, like geez. one of the most tweeted things ever when it happened. Um, and it even got limited theater runs based on it. So... You know, I mean, it's one of the most, it's, it's definitely not the best thing sci-fi has ever done, <laughs> but it's been one of the most popular things, uh, that they've put out and it generated ton of publicity. It was like a, it was like a viral marketing, uh, of 2013. So of course there will be another one. Yeah. It was pretty much a feeding frenzy. So that doesn't surprise me any, but I'm pumped. Good one. <laughs> I had to guys. Sorry. I just yeah. had to. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> what's this other one about? Um, well, I wanted to give a shout out to the everyday Linux user, um, Gary Newell. You know, we had him on the podcast a while back, and I will still never forgive him for that Ascension Millennium thing I watched. Oh, golly. <laughs> you want to talk about something bad? Uh, go back <laughs> to that episode and click on the link and watch whichever Corey that was, Corey Feldman. I thought it was a joke the whole time I was watching it. I was thinking this is like a parody of something. I didn't know it was a real song because it was that was bad but anyway gary i will never forgive you for that but he put out a list of his uh top nine linux podcasts and we made it and it got picked up by some of the um aggregate sources i watch to call the news from and so you know since he mentioned us i wanted to give him some love right back so thank you gary that's awesome thanks gary everydaylinuxuser.com right yeah, he does a blog and he does basically the same kind of thing we do. He, he does some distro reviews and things like that. And he just like, you know, um, Linux for the layman is his tagline. So right. it's a good tagline. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we kind of like have a, a, I wouldn't call it mean spirited or anything, but you know, you know, he's trying to steal our name. So, <laughs> but, uh, I, I would say we, we have a, a poking relationship. We like to poke each other. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my my little warm up item is is I have a call to arms. I am in need of some help. So all of you lovely listeners out there, if any of you know anything about Libra CAD or how to use a 2D CAD program, send me some information. Um I kind of been roped into doing some work and I have never ran CAD in my life. So I'm a little on the newbie end of this. And I'm getting a little frustrated. So if anybody has some information, the program I'm running is Libra CAD. Um, it's a free operating, it's a free CAD software, uh, available on most distros and Windows and Mac, I think. And it seems to be pretty full functioning. I just don't know how to run it. So can someone send me some information on how to run it? I'm lost. And I'm very lost. So. A call to arms, pseudo help the command line godfather. <laughs> well, cool. I hope they will. Um, you know, I can spell CAD. That's about the extent of my knowledge of the subject. So, you know, that's 
that's about where I was. I can install the program. I can open it up and go, oh, that's cool. Right. Now, how do I build this? Now, how do I draw these these things out? And I went, yeah, nope. <laughs> but, Chris, you know computers. Therefore, you are an expert of anything that could possibly be loaded onto one, right? Exactly. You know, that's what I've been – that's what it – at least it's not the 3D cat. Because I think I'd probably pull my hair out and I'd be like pulling my hair out at the roots and going, nope, 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 nope. My brain doesn't work 3D and it doesn't do very well graphically. So any help that people can send, I would be appreciated. Cool, yeah. Uh, help out the command line Godfather guys because, I mean, I, I wouldn't know what to do. I haven't <laughs> even downloaded. I don't even think I will download a CAD program because that's just too much for me. <laughs> you know, and honestly, when I was looking through the help the help documents and everything, you know, if you had at least a, a working knowledge of a CAD program, you'd probably be all right. Right. But since I have zero knowledge in CAD, you know, I know enough to install it, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that that's me and most software. Hey, if the software's broken, I can probably fix it for you. But how to use it? I don't think so. That that's not my deal. <laughs> All right. Well, onward and upward. Yeah, we wanted to um I don't really know how to kind of start this one except maybe to call it everyday Linux world domination <laughs> continues to grow, but I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Jeff Wheatley. He mentioned us in a Google Plus post because apparently uh I'm just going to read the post that someone else did. I'm going to try out something new here on Google+. I'm going to start a video blog called Everyday Linux. I'm going to be using Ubuntu Linux and showing off some of the latest and greatest software available in Linux that are extremely comparable to Windows and Mac applications. I want people to see that there is an alternative with open source that opens doors to creative freedom. And um, I wish the guy all the luck, and I'm going to reach out to him and maybe see if he'll want to come on our show. But, dude, we're Everyday Linux, and we were here first. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, between us and the EverydayLinuxUser.com, I think the, f- the the field is pretty well played. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure you can you know throw your hat into the field as well. Yeah, you know, there's everyday Ubuntu, uh, freedom with Linux. That's a good one. You know, we're not using that one. Um, <laughs> Linux equivalency rocks, maybe. Um, I don't know. That's probably too technical. Chris, you got any ideas for a good name for his video blog? Um, open source are us. Open source are us. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, that's kind of catchy. Or, Damn you know, if, maybe how about this? Open source unlocks freedom. Maybe that kind of plays because yeah, you know, it, it says he wants together. to do the to creative freedom. So uh, maybe not. Maybe just open source unlocks. Or you did unlocks freedom. Open source brings freedom. Open source brings freedom. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that so is. So there, there's some help out, and like I say, I'm gonna I might reach out to the guy and, and see if he wants to come on our show and. Uh, find out maybe, what he's about but. maybe do the whole poking like we do with everyday linux user yeah you know i mean we're, we're all about uh fun loving feuds uh so uh next as long, listen, or go ahead uh, i was gonna say as long as there's no name calling and eye poking i think we're all right 
Well, name calling in jest is fine. Just, you know, <laughs> uh, let's just not get too serious about it because we're all, we're all here because we like, you know, we like freedom. We like open source. We like Linux S things and we like to make fun of Microsoft and Apple. Um, but you know, just, uh, and we can even make fun of each other as long as it's not mean spirited. There you go. So our next listener feedback item is from Jonathan Nadal. He was a previous guest here, and he wanted us to announce, and I will just read his post. He says, hello, hope you guys are doing well. I was hoping you could announce the Northeast Linux Fest being held on April 5th at Harvard University. Here is the website, if you can mention it also. Thanks, and keep up the great work. And it is northeastlinuxfest.com. Dot org and the link will be in the show notes and again that's northeastlinuxfest.org uh april 5th i'm probably just going to kind of keep it in there has a brief announcement and jonathan i'm hoping maybe we can get some love like a shout out from the podium or something like that during your um during the yeah. event you know it'd be a nice good quid pro quo yeah quid that'd be kind of cool quo ah i can't even speak english well much less latin <laughs> well you know i'm even going to do some help too i'm going to I'm going to throw it up on my Twitter feed and, and my Google Plus feed as well. So that way, I don't know how many people are following me, but uh, I'm sure there are enough people that it might you know, trigger one or two people to think about going. Yeah, I know one. I know one of my uh, Facebook follow, or friends is like in the New York area. Um, I know one, and that's really the only one I can think of. Most everyone else is, uh, you know, around close to me. Um uh, scattered about here and there a few of them but for the most part they're pretty much people i know in real life and most of those are here in texas yeah it's too bad it's so far away i'd love to go but yeah money kind of hurts <laughs> yeah i was you know i was thinking i'm i will be wanting to take some time off by then and actually i know somebody in pennsylvania so I'm, i might go visit them yeah, and just and swing over for a day so that would be kind of cool yeah yeah, so moving right along, we've got from Tony V. Um, I was going to do the New York thing, but uh, I'm I just not feeling it tonight. So, hey, guys, wanted to comment on some good things about last week's show. Well, Tony, we always love the good comments, so bring them on. Uh, first, the term GNU slash Linux is for the geeky tech person that really cares to make a distinction and wants to show off during the conversation. I like where you're going, Tony. Me and you think a lot alike, at least in that part. <laughs> the term Linux is for everyday folks. I know the difference, but completely understand when I'm speaking to some friends and someone says Linux. Second, I would like to respond to some comments Seth has made during a couple of shows about the number of distros that exist for Linux or GNU slash Linux platform. I understand Seth's argument, but I feel the more the merrier. That's part of the Linux culture. The best will rise to the top, and those lesser distros will fade gently into that good night. Oh, what's the name of that poem? I I love it. I, I just can't remember the name of it, but I, I like your literary thinking there. And lastly, I had rated EDL five stars on the Stitcher app, and after Mark's appeal last week, I finally broke down and rated EDL five stars on the iTunes store. Pseudo gouge out eyes with a rusty spoon. <laughs> Keep it up. Looking forward to the next show, Tony V. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tony V. And even if you you did have to gouge your eyes out with a spoon, or hopefully just the iTunes from your machine, um, thanks. We, we appreciate those five star ratings and keep them up. 
Um, yeah, and and you know, go ahead. And, um, we we would love for everyone to rate us. And if you don't think we're five stars, you know, be honest. I, I would rather have honest ratings than not. But um, honestly, I, I would rather have higher ratings than low. But I would, you know, I don't want people to lie and just give us all five <laughs> stars because we said so. And Tony, I hope at least uh, well, you did say rusty spoon, so maybe it was at least a sharp rusty spoon, so you didn't have to do it a whole May- lot. Uh, maybe it was a spork. A spork. Ooh. Ooh, there that you would go. Really hurt. Yeah, that would do it. That would yeah. do it really quick too. <laughs> and Tony, I totally understand your argument about it. It's one of those strengths slash weaknesses of the Linux platform is that everyone is free to make their own distro, and there will always be the niche distros. My problem, my thing is there won't be serious mainstream appeal as long as there are so many distros and. And that's one of the things that's holding Linux back from the masses is the fact that, you know, they can't just go in and say, oh, there's Linux. They're like, there's Ubuntu, Fuduntu, Kubuntu, Mint, uh, Mint with Cinnamon, Mint with Gnome, Mint with KDE. There's Fedora. There's Red Hat. There's, you know, they wouldn't even know where to start and they would just get frustrated. I think if we could reduce the major dish, the number of major distros and Again, I don't know which ones to cut, but I think if there were fewer of them, the talent would be spread less thin, and so they would get even better, and there would be more mainstream appeal. That's it. But again, one of the great strengths of Linux is if that distro didn't do everything you wanted it to, there's probably one out there that does. I totally understand where you're coming from, Tony, and I agree with it, but it has also been turned into a weakness in the battle for market share and public attention. Yeah. And that's, that's what we were talking about the last time. It's, it's the, like you said, it's the strength and the weakness of Linux. There's, there's not much we can do about it. It's never going to change because of the way Linux is. Um, we just kind of have to deal with it and hopefully that we can point people in the right directions to, uh, of a good starting point. Um, that's why we've on the show gone on record numerous times saying, you know, stick with the, the, the bigger threes or the bigger four distributions and go from there because right. otherwise you, you could drown in the different types of, of distributions there are. Um, right. And then you also run into the problems like I ran into where hardware is supposed to be non, a, a non issue in Linux. But I've run into issues where certain distributions work best on my hardware, but I can run any of them. But if I run, you know, say the latest GNOME 3 version of Fedora on my, my little Dell laptop, it's a, it's a non-starter. But if I run something like KDE or XFCE or LXDE, um, the system runs better, even if I'm on a Fedora base or a, or a Debian base or even the, the Gentoo base. Right. Um, so there's, you got to find where you're happiest at and then know where to branch out from there. So that's why we always say there's the big three or four start there. Yeah. And one, you know, I totally get what you're saying with the hardware. You know, whenever I had my little, uh, netbook and I was talking about it every week on the show until I finally sold it. I was limited on what distributions I could run on it to test and play with because some of them simply didn't support the hardware. And 
since I kind of come at the platform as the everyday user, I didn't want to have to try to make my own driver or anything like that. If it didn't work, I just went on to something else that did. So yeah. whenever there are, you know, that's one of the things. If there were fewer distros, then there would be more talent to broaden the uh, driver compatibility. Well, and I think also a lot of that has to do for for uh, driver compatibility. The the since the market is so fragmented, um, the driver manufacturers such as Broadcom, uh, they have less desire to put out drivers that are compatible with more and more systems because there's no the the target keeps moving. Right, especially with the way the, our kernel development works in Linux, there is no stable. This is the kernel that everyone will use for the next three years. Every you know what three months there's a new kernel, or even less sometimes, depending on what is found for security exploits, or you know they oh they figured out a better way to make um, power management better, so they bundle it into the kernel and release the ex the the thing. But in doing a power change. You then affect how the Wi-Fi card works because it's turning on and off the Wi-Fi card, which would break a driver. So right. there's there's such a moving target in the Linux community when it comes to driver support, and there was no demand or no pressure applied to the driver manufacturers. Um, that's why I think there's a little bit of a, a of a break there. Um, hopefully, though, eventually we get to the point where we have that pressure and we can make. Uh, hardware and software play a little better. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. I would be totally for that. I tell you what, since you're going to do this next one, uh, Chris, I will let you read it. Oh, uh, see how you are. <laughs> anyway, this is a, this is an email or some feedback we got in from Matt. He says, Hey guys, I emailed a while back ago giving feedback about Linux Academy. I have a question for you, for you now. And we'd like to know what you guys think about having multiple desktop environments installed on one computer. In the past, I've tried to install KDE, GNOME, Cinnamon, and maybe XFCE on the latest releases of Ubuntu, Mint, Manjaro, etc. At first, things seem pretty good. But something crazy always happens. And as a result, it's usually my system getting hosed. Do you have any thoughts on which, which desktop environments work well with each other or how to keep them running well? together thanks matt well matt that's part of the problem with installing multiple versions of a desktop um i know personally i always have luck if you're gonna go with the gnome or cinnamon and xfce that's the gtk um subset of tools stay with gtk so your gnome cinnamon xfce um and LXDE. Those are all running usually the GTK framework. When you start going with KDE or Razor QT or the, uh, the, I can't remember what the KDE version is for the smaller forms. The, I think it's active or something like that. Um, those are running Qt, the QT framework. And I know supposedly we're supposed to have this nice and uniform it doesn't matter what desktop you're running. If you want the program, you can run it. But it always seems to be if you have the full desktops installed, like KDE and GNOME together, what will happen, at least in my experience, is I'll have like the KDE Bluetooth set 
trying to run inside my GNOME interface or my Cinnamon interface. And then Cinnamon and GNOME are trying to run their Bluetooth environment or sound environment, which causes a conflict because they're, they're fighting each other to take over the use of the, the hardware and causes, as you said, your system getting hosed. Um, the only way I found around that is to segregate your installs, um, either by multiple boot environments or virtual machines. But if you're wanting to install multiple flavors into one physical machine, I would say stick with whatever the base of the framework is, stay with them. So your GNOME and Cinnamon and XFCE would be on one machine all by itself. And if you wanted to play with KDE or Razer QT um, or when LX... LXM, wait, LXDM, anyway, uh, the, the open box people, when they mer- fully merge in with Razer QT, um, they're going to be QT, so that would be KDE, Razer QT, and then um, LXDE are going to be all eventually bundled together as well. Um, but that's that's how I would do it. Um, otherwise, you're going to end up with, like you said, where system instabilities. And I haven't been able to figure out how to run the de- different desktops all together and not have an issue. So um, stick with one side or the other. Yeah, I would just, you know, and just to kind of echo and expound on your thoughts is that if you think about this from a Windows standpoint, and I know Windows, we don't really have a bunch of different desktops, even though there are some things you can do behind the scenes. But imagine... If you were to switch video cards or switch um, network cards or change some other uh, physical component, you would have your old drivers and your new drivers uh, both fiddling with the operating system in that card, and it would cause conflicts. You know, that term would be referred to as driver bloat. And so I think you could say you would have desktop bloat, and the, the easiest way would just be to do a complete... Um, you know, nuke and pave is Chris's phrase and then go with it. Cause I don't really think that the, um, you know, running multiple desktops on the same distro, I just think there's too many squirrely things that would happen. Just my opinion. Uh, not nearly so in depth as Chris's, but there you go. My, yeah, um, I wouldn't even call it two cents. My one cent. <laughs> your half a cent. Yeah. Your one and a half cents. Yep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, th- there's not much we can, I mean, that's the best I can tell you right now. Um, I'm sure we can get some information from the community. They might be able to add some more information than, than what we have, but the, that's the long and short of it, Matt. Sorry. Just, uh, kind of pick your poison and stick with the side that you choose. Um, depending on your hardware, if you're running something that's got a lot of horsepower, KDE or the, or any of the cute frameworks, They'll probably do just what you need without and have a lot of pretty, um, but there's a lot of things that you can do to make them both work somewhat together. Um, yeah. I know one of the ways I, I was able to get um, the KDE environment and the GNOME environment to work together was to, I had to whitelist and blacklist things, and that was just messy, so... Anyway, on to some news. Let's let's see, let's find out what Seth dug out of the the news hopper today. Well, my first news story is not really a Linux story, although kind of technically it is. 
I'm sure that there's some links involved somewhere. I just wanted to talk about, um, I called this story a long time ago is here and now because the Navy is starting to test some futuristic weapons, uh, such as lasers and, um, uh, and rail guns. They're actually, you know, I mean, they've been talked about for years. They're on the drawing board. And if, if you saw the movie Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, um, you know, I'm sure, of course, that stands as one of the great film, great moments in cinematic history, but a rail gun, uh, figured prominently in the plot of that one. But anyway, it doesn't, it's now going from science fiction. It's working its way into science fact. So the Navy is testing lasers and rail guns, uh, very in the very near future. That's interesting. Uh, I bet you there's a lot of Linux going on in the back of that because didn't a lot of the government servers and things go Linux? So I bet you there's a lot of Linux stuff doing targeting and, and all the other things that would have to go into that. I would think so. I would hate to get a blue screen, you know, when the rail gun was about to fire and your capacitors overload and blow up because you couldn't hit control alt delete fast enough and end the process. Um, that would yeah. be horrible. Uh, yeah. It's just pretty neat. The link will be in the show notes. If you want to read it again, it's, um, I just thought it was an interesting story that, um, I mean, you know, because come on, when you think lasers, you, you think futuristics. And one of the things it mentions is, you know, in sci-fi, you always see the laser here. It's, you don't really see it. You see the effects as it hits something. Um, but that was kind of cool. Um, lasers and rail guns coming to a Navy warship protecting you. Huh. You know, then that brings me up to a, a thought that I've, um, there was a video game not too recently that had a, what's called a, a kinetic missile. Have you uh, ever heard that? I'd never heard of these and they actually exist where they drop a spike. Basically, it's just a big spike that they drop into the dirt and the kinetic energy is what does all the damage. And I was like, that's amazing. So that's awesome. I, I, I almost wish I could be around when they fire off the first rail gun. I want to see what it does. But I want to be able to see it from a long distance with big old binoculars so I don't get hurt. <laughs> well, you know, they've actually, and I've seen like, um, I've seen videos of it where people have made these little small rail guns that, um, fire thing. And it's, it's amazing what they can do. So if you wanted to and you were so inclined, you could probably, I'm sure you could go online and figure out how to build a rail gun, you know, but I think some of the things they had was they couldn't figure out what to shoot because the, the speed and the air friction would cause most things to melt, uh, which, you know, that's kind of a scary thought itself. So I don't know how they got over <laughs> that, but, um, just the whole concept of a rail gun is, is pretty neat. Um, and they were talking about how it, it will end up being when it gets implemented, it will end up being a lot cheaper to uh fire lasers and rail guns than missiles and shells um you know a rail gun shot could be just a few bucks whereas you know firing those big 16 18 inch guns you're talking hundreds of dollars a pop for those things to go off yeah that's it's a lot of money a lot of money going up in smoke and now we can just point at things and make it, you know, turn to smoke. So that's kind of yeah. cool. So, you know, they're <laughs> saving us money. That's our tax dollars at work. Go Navy. Yay. Research and development for the win. Yep. 
Well, the next story I wanted to talk about, um, this is from China. Apparently, the um, the Chinese market is kind of uh, shrinking. They only shipped 90.8 million units in the Asia-Pacific <laughs> region as opposed to 94.8 million the previous quarter. So a 4.3% uh, drop quarter over quarter. Hmm. Um, you know, so... I mean, that's not really saying the market shrinking. What's really happened is that most everybody who has gotten a kind of a higher end smartphone is probably all the people that's going to have them. And so now you're just having, um, you know, you're just having people re, um, upgrade and stuff. Yep. So market well, saturation, it looks like is happening in China. Well, there's that. And then also from a couple of articles I've read in previous before tonight, uh, I've also been reading that there's a lot of, um, at least in like in the Japan area, where the there's not as many people being born as there used to be. I wonder if the same thing's happening in China, where they're they're having a population shrinkage of you know the 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 older generation is dying off, and the the younger generation isn't having as many kids to fill in that gap. Well, I know you know um, this is not really everyday politics, but you know China has. At least unofficially, I don't know if it's still the official policy, the, the one child per couple thing. So they've been trying to shrink their population for years because, um, if I remember my geography, um, uh, mainland China is comparable in size to, um, the continental United States. And yeah, you know, don't, don't Google it and tell me there's 17.5 square miles difference, you know, but I mean, I'm thinking they're basically comparable, but yet their population is what 1.6 billion and ours is 300 million. So five times the people in the same amount of space. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, that's going to be a drain, uh, on a country. And so you kind of, you know, you want fewer people to not consume the natural resources, but you need more people to take care of the older people as they get older. So, yeah. you know, that, that's an interesting socioeconomic thing that, um, you know, socioeconomics today can handle. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I think it might be a combination of that, but I, I really think that, you know, the growth was explosive for so long that it just, it, it kind of it's reached a saturation point. You know, I'm sure there's more people who want a smartphone, but they they probably you know they probably can't afford it, so they have to get the dumb phones or buy the old smartphones uh, that are the hand me downs as the people buy the new ones. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. So yeah, the Chinese market is shrinking, uh, and again, it's not so much shrinking; it's just probably not growing. Which yeah. It's the, whenever you go from this meteoric rise to a plateau, it's the end of the world to uh, economics <laughs> and number punchers. Uh, at least that's what everyone else says. Yeah. And Chris, this next one is, I'm sure, near and dear to your heart. I thought right of it up, when I put it in. So why don't you tell us about it? Right up my alley. The uh, latest Humble Indie Bundle. This is the 11th bundle as they have l numbered it. And this is the pay what you want, get some games and support some charities. Um, this particular one, let's see, who are they supporting this time? They are supporting... I'm looking to see who they're supporting this time because I don't see it on their front page. Is that... Well, Amnesia? I see EFF and Child's Play. Okay. 
So they're doing the EFFF, the EFF and Child's Play again. So these are both great companies. Uh, EFF is the Electronic Frontier Foundation. They help fight for, you know, the rights of every internet citizen. And the Child's Play charity is the one that's a little more near and dear to my heart where they're, they're paying for kids to have video games and cancer wards and that type of thing. So when they're, they're being sick or they're doing, uh, their chemo or whatever, that they have something to do that isn't, you know, they don't have to bring it with them. They have something there to for them to do. Uh, both great companies. The games this time are some games that I have never actually played. Uh, these are, I've thought about buying them, and so I might purchase them again. I might actually pull the trigger on this one. Uh, the one that I have definitely been keeping an eyeball on is Dust and Anti-Chamber. Both of these two games have been highly recommended on the Steam network. Uh, both are one's a very heavy thinking game, and the other one is a action side scroller. So, both all of these games look like a, a blast. Uh, right now, the average donation is at least if you donate more than four dollars and fifty seven cents, you get all of the games and all of the uh, soundtracks unlocked. Um, if you donate anything less, you just don't get the extra games or the extra soundtracks. Um, and they do add games as the bundles go along. So right now there is one, two, three, four, five, six games. And down the road, I'm sure they'll probably add at least one or two more. And yeah, it's worth every penny. Uh, again, though the average Linux donation is larger than anyone else. So woohoo Linux. We are currently, you know, donating more per person than any other platform but we do our way are way behind in the amount per platform windows is the lion's share there for obvious reasons and then it what's interesting is you look through the top contributors there is a a couple of funny ones considering they are like the bitcoin army never heard of them before but they've donated you know, one thousand five hundred ninety-six dollars for this for this play for this particular bundle. So I'm sure a large, a very large line share of the these games have gone to charity. So it's if nothing else, come out, donate to the charity. Um, and even if you don't play the games, it, you can feel good going to bed at night because you donated to a charity for children. Yeah, buying these games separately, they say, would cost you more than a hundred and thirty-three dollars. Um, so you know you can give five bucks uh, if you wanted, and you get these games plus more as they're released. Hey, Chris, look at number ten on the list. Tuxus. Do you think that's probably somebody who uh, accesses uh, Steam via Windows? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Uh, and that's another thing that that is kind of cool. Um, I didn't actually bring this up, but if you pay more than a dollar. So if you pay a dollar and one cent, you get a Steam redemption code. So instead of having to download the games independently, you can redeem the code inside of your Steam account, and then they are attached to your Steam. So then you could download them on any of your machines because you've tied them to your Steam account. So that's another great thing about you know being a Linux or Windows gamer is if you tie them to your Steam, then you can have them on any of your platforms. So, yeah, come out, at least pay a dollar or more and get them uh, so you can get them redeemed on Steam. It's worth it. Cool. 
Yeah, so Humble Indie Bundle, you've got like uh, eight days from this recording, so you'll still have like uh, five days from when the show is released to jump over there and pick you up some games and kill your free time. Uh, as I mentioned <laughs> last week, I am all about making you work less so I look better to all the potential <laughs> employers out there. <laughs> you know, and the other thing I'll even bring up really quick is they do have a couple of other things over there at the Humble Bundle place. They have a weekly sale where they, they throw all sorts of weird combinations of things out there. Uh, this one is... What there's a, a weekly pack of that's what four, eight, ten, eleven games on a weekly sale. So at the very least, if you never want to buy their bundle, their their big spectacular bundles, come take a look at their weekly sales. There's things up there that are that could be you know ebooks or independent music or uh, what was the other? there was another one that was there. Um, I think there was another one that was artwork. Um, they do a really great job helping to bring people to the forefront. You know, even if you're not playing games, maybe you're a book reader and you want to read books. Or there's also um, parts in the store that you can buy things on. And all of this stuff helps benefit charities instead of just, you know, uh, just you know, padding the the pockets of some high executive on a in a major game company. Um, over at the humble indie the Humble store, as they've labeled it. Uh, some of your money, ten percent of the anything you buy in the humble store goes to the American Red Cross, Child's Play, the EFF Foundation, and the World Land Trust. So even if you're not buying anything from their bundles, and you see a game or something listed in their store, it's still going to charity, and it's worth it. Donate to charity, even if you don't need to. You still want to. Trust me. Cool. Well, moving on to our next story, um, Ubuntu Touch has finally found a maker. It has met its maker. They, um, they are, um, going to be putting out mid to high end phones built by BQ and Mizu, the first manufacturers to commit to Ubuntu. So it looks like some more. And again, we had this discussion a while back. Some people don't think Android is Linux. Um, some more. I don't want to say pure Linux, but GNU slash Linux players emerging to take on Android and Windows and BlackBerry and iOS and Tizen and Firefox OS. And <laughs> if anybody is still using web phone or Symbian, uh, in the, you know, if only there could be a few more phone manufacturers out there for us to choose that would, that would make the world so much better. So, uh, Ubuntu, it looks like. Again, I've never seen an Ubuntu phone in the wild, but it looks like it's pretty good. And they've got some people who were putting out, and again, I haven't heard of these companies, but that's not saying much. I don't really concern myself with phone companies that much. Uh, they seem to be, um, up and up good manufacturers. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens when this actually hits the market. Um, again, we, we don't know. I've never heard of the B keyword in the Mezzi. Or Mezu or whatever, how you ever say them, um, right? But they cannot. There's a quote in here from Canonical saying that that's part of the plan. They're they're describing their partnerships as guerrilla tactics. I think he's just kind of throwing whatever hits the wall and hope something sticks. So I'm sure we're gonna see um, oodles and oodles of different variants of these things showing up. So at least take a look at them. 
put your fingers on them, see if they actually work as well as the Android or or any of the other phones. I still want to see, I want to put my hands on a Firefox OS phone. Just because of how much of a Firefox fan I am, right. I want to put my hands on a Firefox OS phone. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I I would love, I, you know, it's one of those things. It's I don't want there to be a hundred different phone or, you know, smartphone options out there. But I don't know if I like the two that we have now and... I'm sure somebody could out there say, but we have Windows, and you know, maybe if I saw more than one person ever with a Windows phone, I might buy into <laughs> that. But I don't know how many how many smartphone OSs, Chris, do you think is the magic number? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we've passed that number a long time ago. Uh, the at least in my personal opinion, I like the ability to choose my desktop OS. I like the ability to choose, you know, my tablet OSs and things of that of that such. Right. But you know, honestly, and honest to God, when it comes to a phone, I should say honest to the spaghetti monster, because that way we don't get religion into this. But well, um, you, you didn't you didn't say which God, so I think okay. we're okay there. All right. Um, but as far as it goes, a phone's a phone. I want it to work. I, I, I don't care how pretty it works. I don't care how fast it works because as long as it's functional, I'm happy. The second the phone goes from functional to non-functional because of a, you know, interface glitch or the phone, you know, has the, the death of the grip of death on it or whatever. Then I'm no longer happy, and I am not a very happy person. And I am definitely one of those people that will shout from the highest des- the highest mountaintop, saying, "Hey, this phone or this thing is a pile of garbage, and I want to throw it at you because you sold it to me." <laughs> I've I've done that a couple of times with things. So I, I honestly don't care who wins the phone market. I just want something to come out. So I want somebody to come up with such a great phone that it kills everything else off. Because I don't care. <laughs> it's a phone. I want it to work any and anywhere and every time, not just sometimes. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not quite like that. Like <laughs> I did not like how Windows dominated the desktop with over 90% of the market share. Um, I, I didn't have, I don't have problem with them being the main one. I just think that whenever one particular thing has that much of a monopoly, and again, I'm, they didn't qualify as a legal definition of monopoly, blah, 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 <laughs> but they were a de facto monopoly of desktop computing. Um, at least, you know, from the mid nineties through the early 2000 teens, uh, or 2010s. Um, they were too big. They were too much. So, you know, as much as I like Android, I think it is too big and it's, it's too big of a behemoth in the uh, phone world. I wouldn't, I don't mind it being the biggest one. Um, you know, I'm all for that, but my personal opinion, you need to have, you need to have two players and a third niche or niche or whatever, Whatever, I'm Mies Texan. Y'all cut me some slack. You need to have at least that. Uh, you can't have one person totally, one thing totally dominate. You need two and you need that third outside horse to keep them both honest. And if you got some other smaller players, fine. Um, 
but I know we at least need that. And so you might could argue that we have that. Um, but anyway, so that's why I was just curious, you know, that, that might make a better, that might make a good show someday is just, uh, the smartphone OS Smackdown round two or whatever we call it. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. If, if anybody that listens to the show wants to, to send us all trial phones with the different OSs, or at least maybe a phone that we could install the different OSs on. We don't need phone contracts. We just want to play with the the operating system. That yeah, would be awesome. I, who who calls people with their phone? You know, <laughs> <laughs> as long as I can get online with it, who cares? Well, there you go. But you know, that would be one thing that we would definitely. I, I'm sure me and Seth would be all over this. We would love to put down the phone OS Smackdown, but. I don't have the money to go out and buy six or ten different phones, but if we could have one that would be available to install all of them, that would be fun. I I would love to do that. Yeah, uh, I would too. So, um, you know, pseudo, send us phones. Yeah, I, I don't know who that was directed to, but if if you felt like if you felt like I was talking to you, then that means you're supposed to send me a phone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, uh, and I will second that pseudo with another pseudo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moving on to our next story, uh, coming soon to a browser uh, on your internet computing device, um, ads. Mozilla is going to start placing a limited number of ads in Firefox new tabs page. Um, director tiles, um, has said so, um, or sorry, directory tiles. And apparently people don't like that. Gee, I wonder why this product <laughs> that has been free with no strings attached that you've never given a penny to in your life and you've used, um, they're going to try to make a little bit of money off of you since you won't pay them anything. So, of course, let's be mad. Come on, everybody. Express your outrage on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay. Now that we got that out of your system, um, <laughs> you know, if, if you don't like it, man, I'm sorry, but they are not an advertising behemoth like Google that can throw out products to kill competition, much the same way Microsoft did with um their Internet Explorer, you know, Microsoft couldn't sell their crappy browser, so they gave it away for free and killed the paying browsers out there. So Mo- Mozilla needs to do something because when your biggest moneymaker is your competitor, you're in trouble. And, uh, you know, Firefox comes with Google has the default search engine. And when you search in the awesome bar, um, which is what it's called in Firefox, y'all all know that. Um, Google pays Firefox some money for that. So when your competitor is your biggest source of income, you've got to do something to diversify your income. So, I mean, I don't like the fact that this is yet one more place where advertising has intruded into my life. But since I don't pay for anything, you know, that's my choice. So I'm more forlorn about it than anything else. So I understand why they're doing it. I don't like why they're doing it, but... They've got to do something to make money. And since I'm too cheap to pay them, Mark's the tightwad, I'm the cheapskate, um, I guess I'll, I'll put up with an ad in a new, uh, new tab. I was going to say, honestly, how much do you actually use the new tab buttons? When you go to a new tab, do you actually use any of those nine quick launch things? I uh, know I, I click new tab and then I go to the browser and I type what I want to see in there or I right click open in new tab. Yeah. That's see pretty much how I do it. So I honestly don't think this is going to affect anybody 
to honest, honest to, to, to truth here, it's okay. I personally, I hate the idea of ads, but if it's in a page that I don't use anyway, I don't use those quick launch tiles anyway, I don't have a problem with it. They can, they can use that whole page for ads, in my opinion. You know, uh, if it, if it like, if I go to a new tab and there's an ad on there, and as long as it isn't those stupid videos that take like two minutes to buffer out where I live and it won't let you do anything, um, if there's like a text ad that says, buy Viagra here, you know, or, you know, we make this, we make the softest tampons ever and it's gone as soon as I type in something. I don't have a problem with that. But if it's going to be some, you know, video, Expousing the virtues of Dodge Ram pickups. That's a 30 second video <laughs> that takes three minutes to load. Well, then I'll find a new browser, Firefox. So be careful how you do the ads. As long as they don't detract from my browser experience, I won't mind. I mean, yeah. you know, I'll be perturbed in a general concept kind of way, but I click on a new tab and while, you know, because that page is going to be blank because I've turned off the history feature of the tabs. Um, you know, if there's a, if there's an ad there that isn't full of videos and gifts and the thing that explodes to take up the whole screen and, and comes back down like Yahoo does, I'm talking to you, Yahoo. Um, <laughs> I won't mind it. But like I say, if it ruins my web browsing experience, well, as much as I just don't really care for Chrome, I can become a Chrome user. Um, oh yeah, you know, or I might give Opera a try. Um, I really don't see myself using IE for anything. I don't have to. Yeah. But, um, you know, and on onto that story a little bit. Um, a little side note for that. Uh, I pulled up the information. There, there's a. They obviously had to release how much Mozilla or that Google their contract is. Right. And there's a. Um, I'm gonna post the link into the show notes so we have it. But it's a. Uh, kind of a rebuttal to the story um, because Firefox, you know, Google is giving Fire, Moz, the Mozilla Foundation, um, where, where's that note? Um, they're paying Mozilla about $300 million per year for to make Firefox a default search or for Google to be the default search. Right. And then this article... It says that that it's almost that it's it gets to the point where it's almost get hitting the billion status. So, because like in in two thousand eight it was thirty one million, two thousand nine it was forty million, two thousand ten it went to sixty two million. So at the rate of growth, eventually they're going to hit to the billion dollar donation mark. Right. And you know that's that's a pretty substantial fee from Google. So if if Mozilla is trying to pull a little bit of more money in, in case Google pulls the rug out from underneath them, I honestly don't have a pro- really don't have a problem with the ads because right. I don't want Firefox to go away. Um, I use Firefox for everything, and I've been using it since it was back when it was Firebird. Uh, don't take my Firefox away. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> And since we're talking about billions of dollars, I just wanted to mention, you've probably already heard this, um, Facebook is acquiring WhatsApp. Um, and here's the deal. For $4 billion in cash, plus $12 billion worth of Facebook stop, uh, stock, plus an additional $3 billion in restricted stock to WhatsApp 
What's Up founders and employees that will vest over four years um, after the closing. So WhatsApp, if you're not familiar with it, is a basically a way to do messaging over the web. Um, so, you know, if you have without using messaging minutes, because a lot of smartphone plans, uh, you pay X amount for unlimited messaging plus data. This is a way to chat. Um, I'm sorry, to message over data. So it kind of gets you away from the messaging of the built-in phone application. I mean, what the heck is money anymore? Four billion dollars. <laughs> Sheesh. That's a lot. And then all the stock options. That's a lot of money being poured into this thing. That's um, ridiculous. I mean, a, 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 the total approximately that this is going to be end up being worth is about $16 billion. That's ridiculous. Because, 16 billion with a B dollars. Yep. For, I mean, for an application to do chat. It's like, what's Jabra? I, I thought that Facebook was a big Jabra player. Why are we looking for a replacement for Jabra? Well, is it a replacement or are they just future proofing themselves by buying out the competition? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can understand that too. It is a, you know, I, I would say it's probably a little bit of both, but. Really, guys, come on. What's I, I honestly don't see what's so what's wrong with the way it is now. I mean, is there something? Obviously, we're not seeing it from Facebook side. Maybe there's a limit to the the how many people can be messaging over at the same time through Jabra. Um, but I would have thought that you know maybe Google would have hit that mark way earlier than Facebook. But I don't ever remember hearing Google saying they're leaving the Jabra platform. They're still in it. So I wonder what the issue is. Why would you be looking for a new way to do chat when something um, is already there, bulletproof, and working? There's something we don't know. Well, and if you look over the, um, you know, there's been some news stories talking about how Facebook is less popular with today's uh, teen crowd. And apps like um whatsapp is where the teens are going so you know again it, it's it's an a relatively unknown company today can be the biggest thing going in 10 years from now and so you want to nip it in the bud you know yeah does anybody remember myspace it used to be huge and <laughs> facebook was the unknown player well facebook came out you know in and in a lot of ways i didn't like what they did the way has compared to the way MySpace did it, but yet look at Facebook's now and look at MySpace now. Um, now MySpace is the unheard of one that nobody uses and Facebook is ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a lot, but that's just a ridiculously insane amount of money to me. I, golly, I mean, money is just, it's meaningless now. Oh, well, let's, let's throw a few billion dollars for this company. I mean, you know, kudos to the founders and the people at WhatsApp, man, y'all cashed out. I don't know. Did you spike, um, what's his name's Kool-Aid and the meeting or something? <laughs> um, but you better close this deal before he comes to a census. Cause that's, that's just an insane amount of money. Uh, I wish someone would send us that much money. We would enjoy it every penny. <laughs> Man, for for that much money, I would tell everybody what a great company Apple was. I mean, really, th that's, that's the kind of money we're talking about. 
I don't know if I'd ever go back that far, but uh, I would you're definitely saying, not. I would saying, never. I would say. That, or go ahead. I was going to say I would never badmouth them again, but I wouldn't change my position. How is that? For um, if they threw four billion dollars to the um to the Everyday Linux podcast, I would. There would be some feature that they rolled out in the next version of iOS and Mac OS that would be the greatest thing ever and cause me to realize how short sighted my hatred of Apple was. I mean, I'm just telling you what would happen. <laughs> So, I mean, you're telling me for $1.3 billion, you wouldn't say, I love Apple. Oh, I don't know. That, that, that hurts pretty tight. That, that, that would be hard. That would be very, very hard. You know, um, there, there are some things that money can buy and there's some things that money can't buy. And that would be one for me. I don't think I could ever say I love Apple. I would definitely not bow, badmouth them anymore. Um, if someone made me, held a gun to my head and said I had to say something, I would say, I can't say anything about that company. Um, well, Chris, <laughs> if that money came, uh, you might not be a part of LMNOP anymore. <laughs> See, well, at least I know where I stand. Yeah. And, you know, there's principles are worth things, but, you know, um, and, you know, my principles, I, it's, I'm, you know, one one point three billion dollars. I'll do. There's a couple of lines I won't cross for one point three billion, but there's a lot of stuff I will do for one point three billion. <laughs> um, you come up with that money, America, um, Element OP Nation, and find out what I will or won't do for one point three billion dollars. <laughs> and if you want to make that money, the demand for Linux professionals is growing. Uh, Dice.com is out with its annual Linux jobs market report, and you know we talked some about this uh, last week. Um, that Linux professionals got larger raises than the average t- um, technology professional, but there is more demand high out there for Linux. So, you know, if you want to learn Linux, uh, you like the stuff we talk about and how we talk about it, dive in. You know, there's tons of resources out there, and Linux is not the only place where uh, they'll, pray, they'll pay a premium for talent, but it is one of the... Uh, one of the places in technology that will get you a larger starting salary. And, uh, you know, that link will be in the show notes and you can kind of read. There's lots of numbers in there and I didn't want to, I didn't want to bore you with those. I just wanted to mention that it's a good way to make money. Yeah. Uh, Linux, the, the Linux people, when they, when they are in a place to get money, they usually end up with a little bit more than the average guy when it comes to making money. Um, the other problem with Linux professionals, though, is it's it's really where you are, not what you know for some of this stuff. So if you're in a area that isn't very tech-heavy and you know Linux, you may not get a better starting wage for a help desk than anyone else. But it's a, a good place to start when you're trying to learn what where to go to make more money. Definitely. And if you're wondering what new products are coming down the pipe, I, I had not heard of this, but apparently, you know, there's the Kindle device, uh, tablet out there, which is a very good Android based tablet. Apparently there's going to be an, uh, Android set top box that is going to kind of contribute or, um, compete against like Apple TV and Google Play, um, 
as well as just kind of be a Amazon's presence in the living room. You know, if you're a member of Prime, you get all of that content streaming to you, um, available to you from the Amazon marketplace. Well, here is a way that you can tie it into your big screen TV at home with the, um, TV set top box. Apparently it's going to run, uh, Android, the, uh, consensus in the community is that it's going to be pretty much the same OS that's found on the Kindle tablets uh, with third-party app support to kind of help give them their market share. But I, I had never heard of this until I came across this story on The Verge that Amazon, uh, they're aiming for a March rollout of this, which is like an Apple TV and Roku competitor. Um, had you heard of this, Chris? What do you think about it? No, I've never heard of it. And actually, I'm a little scared of this because... Uh, Amazon did some tinkering with their uh, video-on-demand service there not too long ago and broke my Linux distribution, so I couldn't stream any of my Linux or any of my videos that I've purchased mm-hmm. or the Prime, or the free Prime stuff um, through a web page because they went to a Silverlight me- model instead of an HTML5 model or a Flash model. And mm-hmm. if they... You know, I understand they, they're trying to get more more eyeballs on their products and try to pull more more dollars through their system. I just hope they don't terminate their contracts with Roku um, because that's a fast way to at least my household to make me quite pissed off and I will find a different place to buy all my gear from um, because that's half the reason I went with Amazon for my video players for my, in my with my Roku is because it worked and didn't break and didn't have a problem with my Roku streaming the video in from Amazon. But, you know, here's the thing. If you're already using Amazon, you know, you buy a lot of stuff off of them and you're using their device and you're using their service on your tablet because you have a Kindle or you have, uh, you know, Honestly, wouldn't it be great that now you don't have to have like a Roku subscription as well? It's all part of your Amazon. You know, people like you uh, and me, and not on this instance, but, you know, where I don't like what you did, therefore I'm not going to use it. For every one of us, there's a 100 people who said, hey, Amazon does this now, so I already use them. I don't need this other product, so bye-bye Roku. Right, and I, I can understand that. That's why I'm hoping they don't terminate their agreement that they already have. Because if they did that, I know, well, I know at least a 100 people that have a Roku and the reason they got the Roku was because of the Amazon ability. Right. That was the only reason they did it is because they wanted to put their their they wanted the Amazon video on their big screen TV. The Roku was a simple drop in replacement, or a simple drop in add on to their TV, and it, it it just worked. There was no there was no configuration issues. There were no nothing. It was a drop in. Boom! You have Amazon on demand right there in your TV. So I'm hoping that this is just to, you know, maybe to pull away from the the Google TV guys and the the Google, um, what is that? The Google Play, not, not the Play, the Google Cast, the Chromecast. Maybe they're trying to pull some of that hype away from the Chromecast. Uh, but I really hope that they're going to leave their licenses that they already have in place and not kill them. Uh, otherwise I'm going to be, well, you know, I, I'll be sad. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to be sad if they pull them killing. Yeah. I don't see them killing their license, but I see them 
has maybe not um, renewing them the next time around. Um, you know, you really look, Amazon is really getting serious in their play and, um, you know, they're really becoming a direct competitor to things like, to people like Apple. Cause you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an Amazon phone coming out in the works, but you know, you're, you're competing with Apple in the tablet space and now you're competing with them on the desktop. You're competing in the marketplace. You have your own marketplace. Um, so is there going to be, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, like I said, I had never heard of it. Uh, the, the question I also, well, it's not really a question, but the thing I want to bring up is, this is an idea. I could understand why they want to do it, you know, with like the Steam box and everything else being popularized. It makes sense for them to make this play. Right. But what is the, and, and they say they're going to have third party support. So what does that, you know, w- without actually being able to hold the device or actually play with the device, we're all speculating, but I could see that as a direct competitor to, like you said, about Apple TV and the Google Chromecast. Right. Um, and where Roku has been sitting idle, you know, this might make them wake up because the Roku really hasn't changed very much since they've been releasing. You know, all they've really done is released hardware, re- new, new hardware. There hasn't been a whole lot of push from the Roku side to make things better. So this might, you know, add some flux and however much I, I hope they don't kill off things like the Roku, but I could understand if they do. Um, but Amazon, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm leery at the same time. Yeah. Roku, the next crown Betamax. <laughs> I, I hope not. Or maybe, or maybe better yet. Hey, uh, we've, we've been talking, we've talked about Plex for a couple of, of shows and I, I hate to bring them back up, but if Amazon is going to do this, Make sure Plex is on it, because then I'm not a, I'm not as angry at you, because then all my work that I've been doing right. isn't in vain. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, in uh, talking about some of their competitors, Apple has Siri. Well, Microsoft is coming out with a digital assistant, and they are using Cortana, the um, AI from the Halo franchise. So, you know, you can pretend like you're Master Chief now when you're talking to your tablet or Windows 8.1 mobile device. Interesting. That's kind of cool. You know, I got to admit, I love... This wouldn't make me buy a Windows phone because it just wouldn't. But, you know, uh, in much the same way, I love the Bean commercials. You know, the Los Links... I love their commercials. Those were funny, awesome things. I loved them. Um, I love the concept of this. And I would want, I would find a Microsoft store and I would go talk to Cortana just to see how well she worked. And, you know, and hey, you know, be honest with you, if they have like a, um, if she's like us, if she, if you can see her on the screen, you know, if she was hot enough, I might switch to a Windows phone. Uh, you know, <laughs> just to be honest with you, yeah, it's kind of a neat thing. Uh, the 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 idea of it is we're starting to get more and more to the point of like Minority Report or any of those super sci-fi movies of like ten years ago. We're starting to see devices mimic 
those old the you know ten year old movie things. Um, so it, it's interesting to see how the market is is progressing, and I can honestly see, you know, a phone someday. You whip it out, and instead of talking to it, you hit a button, and you have a holograph of somebody of a of a digital assistant. What is that movie? Uh, what was that TV show? Was it Time Cop? No, not Time Cop. Time Tracks. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what I'm talking about? The guy yeah. from the future who came back, and his phone was like this. Or it, he didn't. It wasn't a phone, but it, he had like a computer, a hologram, digital assistant thing. Yep. Yeah, that's where I was going. I, I just couldn't remember the name of it. But yeah, I, I could honestly see that, and I would, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be exclusive to the Microsoft phone anytime soon. Eventually, we're going to see it, something similar show up on Android and iOS. Uh, I'm kind of curious. It'd be interesting to see what happens, and if you could do the whole customizing of your digital assistant, so it she has the hair, or you know, for obviously we're both guys and. I'm not saying how Seth's appeal is, but I would have a girl and I would probably model it after my wife because, you know, I, I think that's kind of fun. So if you could, you know, manipulate the digital assistant a little bit, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it would be fun. So, yeah, time tracks. Uh, Captain Darian Lambert and his uh, hologram's name was Selma. Uh, sorry, I had, to, Selma. Uh, I had to Google food that while you were talking. Selma. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. And, you know, I forgot the was, name. Yeah. Well, I'm. She was kind of British, um, older lady, prim and proper person. So, you know, also, you know, what else that reminds me of Quantum Leap. Yeah. Now, I would love to have a, the 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 assistant like that, where you know it, it's tied to like a Google Glass, so only you can hear or see the person, your assistant. Uh huh. Uh, I think it would probably add a little bit of the, uh, you know, somebody is crazy because they're talking to somebody look to everybody. But if you have a headset in your ear anyway, those little one, those little buds, a lot of people think you're crazy anyway when you're talking to, through a bud. So, oh, there's a, uh, there's a series. It was on sci-fi. Uh, it was on other places. It was like a syndicated thing where this woman, uh, she was a law enforcement thing from the future and she had like this, uh, suit and she could talk to, anyway and she was people looked at her crazy until he sent her a bluetooth headset that she put on her ear so that way she would look normal uh <laughs> talking to the bluetooth headset rather than just talking to no one in particular walking down the road so yeah totally uh that that helped i wish i could remember the name of that i can't remember the name of it uh, but i mean I could see that becoming the norm at the rate this is, uh, you know, the Siri, and now we have um, whatever her name is Cortana. from Halo, Katana, yeah. Um, I, I could eventually see us doing the whole digital, virtual, hologramic, hologramic type system, um, but man, that's, mind is blown if we ever actually get to that point in my lifetime. Yeah, Definitely. Well, and our last news story, um, because we talk about them so much, I wanted to throw it out here. Um, Blackberry seems like it might be coming back from the brink. The uh, smartphone that you used to know and love with the clickety clackety keyboard might be coming to a Ford near you. Um, I would call this more than a rumor, but still not 100% fact, but a report in Bloomberg, um, 
said that the car company is dissatisfied with Microsoft's sync system and they are planning to drop it in favor of the cheaper QNX system made by BlackBerry. So, you know, I could see that kind of fit. Your digital assistant is now in your car rather than in your pocket. Um, in a lot of ways, that's a logical progression. Or not only is it in your car, but it goes with you in the phone. So I could see that becoming a, you know, it, it the digital assistant is in your phone and it goes with you but when you tie it to your car it then can do more things kind of similar to the the tablets that when you dock it into a uh, the keyboard it becomes more than just a tablet it's now a laptop yeah. so that could be something that we could see in the future and that would make things very interesting um i'd be very curious to find i've never actually touched the the blackberry qnx system um i have a ford sync um, car, and I love Ford Sync, so I'm curious to find out why they're dissatisfied with it. They're they're really, it seems to do everything that everybody wants. Um, they really don't say in the article, and obviously we don't have any insider information. But, um, wow, that's that that kind of blows my mind. That I'll have to go down to my local Ford dealership and see if there's anybody that has the QNX system, so I can. You know, drive around and see how QNX is compared to Sync. Yeah, but you know, you buy a car, you get a you get a free smartphone. Well, honestly, how many people have smartphones already? So, you know, you're not not BlackBerry smartphones. So I guess they could they could put out an app in the uh, Google Play and Android Marketplace and the Firefox, whatever they'll call theirs, and Microsoft (laughs) Windows App Store and the Ubuntu App Store, and you know I I don't know maybe WebOS still has a functioning app store they can throw one in. So yeah, yeah, I don't see it being that big of a deal to to mix the two to mix the worlds, but right. I've never actually heard of this QNX system, so now I'm I'm curious. I'm gonna have to go look. All right. Well, you know, we we could make this a 24/7 news podcast, but I really um, don't want to do that. So that's gonna be <laughs> the last news story we talk about this week. We always, you know, come back next week and hear what's gonna be on the list. Uh, and do I want to tease? I checked the dates this time and next week we are really supposed to have a guest host. I promise I made a mistake last time. I'm sorry, but, uh, guest host next week, uh, teasing the mystery, check and see who it's going to be. <laughs> and if you've been listening, you, we've already, the name's been said at least once. So go back and re-listen to see if you can figure out who it is. Huh. And uh, I also want to mention this week in history. You know, we talked a lot about um, the Humble Indie Bundle. So I thought I'd go with a gaming motif. February 21st, 1986, The Legend of Zelda, the first game in the Legend of Zelda series, was released in Japan on the Famicom Disk System. It was wow. a disk plug-in to the uh, Nintendo box where the cartridge went in. There was a Ram adapter that connected to it to a disc system. And the legend of Zelda was on a disc originally not a cartridge. So this week in history, 1986 when Texas was about to kick off its sesquicentennial celebration in earnest, um, you know, Japan was getting their first taste of link. 
That's that's awesome. Um, now I I love the Legend of Zelda series. It's probably one of my top five video games I've ever played in my life. Um, and I wasted so many hours playing Legend of Zelda because there was no map. There's no nothing. You were just thrown into a world and said, "Go forth and find." Um, but what I always, I now that I'm older and I can look back at things and laugh a little bit, uh, I have a buddy of mine who is a video game developer who married another video game developer, and they now have a daughter named Zelda. <laughs> and I always think it's funny whenever anyone tells me something, a story about Zelda, The Legend of Zelda, or any of the Zelda-based games, because I now know somebody who has a daughter named Zelda, and I would almost bet I would almost bet my Mountain Dew on it that they've named it after one of the video games. <laughs> it could very well be. But yeah. Anyway, that, that's a, it, I love the fact that the, this week in history was Zelda this year, this week. That's awesome. Yeah. I try. I try to come up with good ones. I really enjoy doing, coming up with the stuff for this week in history. Um, because, you know, I, I like, uh, trivial information and, uh, it, you know, it doesn't really help anybody to know, but I, I like to read it and come across it. <laughs> All right, Seth. So because we, ha- I thought we were having a guest this week, I didn't have a link. So I see your link this week is, again, a game reference. What is this? Yes, this is a game I came across. Um, play. It's a called Zero AD. Um, it's sort of like like a civilization type game. You know, you, you build cities up and you fight against other people and try to win them it's uh currently alpha 15 so it's not you know it's it's not beta it's not done but the reason i picked this one and i wanted to tell people about it is it's cross-platform there's mac version apple version and linux version so you know I don't know if there's a free BSD version, guys. Sorry. And, you know, and that one guy on OS2 who's going to find our podcast in 10 years, uh, I don't know if there's <laughs> OS2 version either, but um, Mac, Windows, and Linux, we can all try the Alpha 15 Osiris version of 0 AD and have it crash our system and bring it come screaming to the ground. So, you know, just... I haven't played it yet, but it looks like something that um, I think I want to play because I like games like this. Um, yeah, th- th- it looks like an interesting game. Like. And from I was just I popped over there and I I went went to see the uh, um, how to install, uh-huh. and it looks like most of them are already built into the repositories. So all you have to do is ins- go to the, your package, your whatever package manager you have, and install it. Um, like if you're an Ubuntu guy, all you need to do is app get install zero AD. Fedora again is just yum install zero AD. Um, uh, Debian is install zero OD. Uh, the only one that looks like it has a little bit of more hiccups too is you have to in Open you have to add a couple of repositories and then it's just in, you just install zero AD. So. If this is already built into your distribution, you just need to install it. Give it a shot. Even if it is alpha 15, the worst it's going to do is crash your box and you have to restart. It's not going to kill it. It's just going to crash your, your, it's going to, you know, make you restart the system. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, don't do this, um, on your company's email server or something <laughs> like that. You know, um, you're super, you're super, you know, but throw it on, you know, spin it up in a VM that if you don't like it, well, just delete the VM and no worse for wear, give you some good practice in, uh, you know, help teach you some of those Linux skills. You see, I'm trying to help you get a better job. Um, at least that's what you can think. But again, I'm trying to destroy your productivity so uh, employers will think I'm a better person. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, I would definitely also check to make sure that you meet the minimum requirements before installing, uh, just so you don't get caught in that whole weird loopy thing where you uh, end up with a broken desktop because you can't run it. Yeah, and the Windows, just looking on the win, they're not super. I mean, if you can barely run Windows 7, uh, maybe not try it, but they're not, they're not super heavy duty specs. Um, uh, anyway, I'm looking that's at, my, uh, that's my, that's my, this week. I'm pulling up the video really quick to take a quick spin through the, the, te- the tutorials and I'm trying to get a quick look at to see. Oh, it's, uh, it's very similar to, um, some of the old guys out there who played, uh, StarCraft. Ah, uh, yeah. Or something similar to that. It looks just like those type of games. Civilization, StarCraft, um, any of the third person, or the top down, uh, resource gathering and, you know, researching for upgrade type games. So, yeah, this is, this is going to go on my laptop as soon as I leave the show tonight. <laughs> I'm actually downloading it as we speak. <laughs> See, Seth, you're killing my productivity. Darn you. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's the end of the show for us tonight. Uh, I know it's a little bit shorter than normal, but that's because we're a little bit shorter in hosts than normal. So, yeah. well, I we'll- did name this one Seth's Folly. So, yeah. Uh- well, there's it's Seth's folly, and also we're we're only two thirds the strength of normal, so you only get two thirds the length of a show. <laughs> so, um, if you want some feedback, come over to the you know send us some feedback. We want more. I'm sure you guys are all going to start ripping on us because we're missing Mark, and he kind of railroads me and Seth into the right ways to go. But send us some feedback. We all we we love hearing it. We want to hear more. Uh, oh, hey, Chris, I did want to mention that we do have, um, we did have several more things and I was planning to, uh, again, this is just more of my folly. I was planning to have the guests this week and next week be a feedback episode. But since, um, I messed up on the date, we kind of mixed in some of the feedback. But if we get enough, we'll have a guest next week and then maybe the week after that, we'll have a total feedback show. So send in your feedback, lots and lots of feedback. Let it let you guys blow up our mail servers with feedback. That's a challenge, people. But it has to be good. It has to be feedback, not just random gibberish because you're trying to crash our servers. Send us right. some feedback. We want to hear more. Also, you can contact us for feedback or anything else over on the website at elementop.com. Uh, there's also the Twitter accounts, the at elementop. Um, Facebook, Element OP, you can then back on the idea of feedback. When you're trying to get a hold of us, obviously emails, that works great. There's a contact link button at the top of our page. There's also a phone number you could call in and leaving to leave us a voicemail. And that's 559-IAM-OP. And that will, Google will then call you and then you can leave us a voicemail. 
If you're too lazy to type that into the phone, all you have to do is just go to our website, type in your phone number in the continental United States, or is it continental Canada? I don't remember off the top of my head. but I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. Mark knows that information. We don't. So if, if you're in the United States, sh- just type in your number. Google will call you. You'll leave us a voicemail. And we'll go from there. If you want, if you're outside of that continental United States area, that Google Voice will call you. Just email us a, a quick little voicemail. You know, like a a little you know Audacity wave file or an MP3 file. Um, those will go to us as well, and we'll put them on the show. Um, bring your show topics. The more, the merrier. Uh, we're starting to run a little light on things that we can bring up. So send us more. We want to hear more. We want to know more. We want to give you more. This is your show. We're just kind of the the bringers of the topics. So send it. I dare you. <laughs> All right. And that will end this episode of Everyday Linux. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> and or night or semi afternoon state whenever you listen to this podcast and we will talk to you next week hopefully we'll be back up to full strength